Look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Genesis. The Bible says this, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, that's a question that I guess people have struggled with for centuries. How did we get here? Where do we come from? Where did it begin? What's the starting point? Is there a starting point? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, scientists and philosophers have debated this question for centuries, literally. Theologians have talked about it. Philosophers have talked about it. Scientists have talked about it. People like you and me have probably at some point wrestled with it and maybe talked about where did we come from? You know, some have concluded we're just the result of natural selection. It was just a big accident along the way that happened uh, and took millions of years to happen. Others have theorized some pretty outlandish ideas. I, I saw a program uh, once about uh, it was alien influence. They seeded our planet and we're results of aliens. I always thought we were kind of strange, but I don't think that probably applies. But here in God's infallible and inerrant word, we read these words. And you're probably thinking to yourself, why are we talking about infallible and inerrant? Because this beginning sets the stage for the entirety of Scripture. What you do with this passage affects how you understand every other passage in God's Word. In the beginning, what did God do? Created the heavens and the earth. He alone is our creator. He alone is the one who began all of this. He is the one who got it started. He's the one who put it together. He's the one that worked to make it happen. And so we're left with a decision with this verse to say, is it true or not? Do we believe it or not? And you're probably thinking, well, it doesn't really matter if I believe that. I think it does because if you don't understand and believe this truth that God alone is our creator, don't go past the sentence. So all the details you want to run to next, okay? He created us. Did he create us? Yes. Then we understand his word is true. If we reject this verse, then we can struggle with others. We again become the judge of what is true and what's not true, which ones we accept and which ones we don't. We begin in the beginning with this, God created. This decision is foundational to our understanding of the entirety of God's word and how we're put together. We receive this. He created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What I want you to see here is God. In fact, if you want to just work ahead of me, you can circle the word God in every one of these sections. Because it's God who moves, it's God who works, who God who accomplishes, God who completes, God who makes. Here, God moved in the void. What was the void like? I don't know. Wasn't there? Can I tell you something? I don't know if I have to understand it to know that He was there. The form, earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, there's a theory that there's a gap between verses 1 and 2. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Usually it's in response to people who are trying to explain the apparent millions and millions of years of earth history. Oh, well, God created and then he waited. 
millions of years, and then he had happened in verse 2 what happened. I, I want you to understand that there is no real textual evidence for that gap. But I'll also concede that maybe it was a gap. I don't know. What I do know is this. God created. That's foundational to our faith. There was no form. There was a void. There was darkness. We read further that there wasn't just darkness. There was someone there. Not something there. Someone. Do you see who it is? The Spirit of God was there. Before anything else, He was there. Working. God has always been available, always ready, always in works in the creation of this world. And what God created already was amazing and fantastic. And it was quite simple still. But He was at work moving, creating what would happen. Verse 3. Go ahead and circle it. And God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the night, uh, the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. What we find is that God drew a line. He drew a line between darkness and light. He created the day. He created the night. He separated all of this into two sections that the world would not remain in darkness forever. It would also have light. But then it would have darkness again. And then it would have light. And then it would have darkness again. We call that life in our experience of living. And there would be balance. It would extend between the physical over time to include the line between the spiritual as well. But God doesn't place everyone in the dark or in the light. He creates us and we choose where we will be. Verse 6, and God said, circle it again, God's here. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. What God did here is he divided water and sky. He separates begins to create the forms of places for his creation to be. He creates a division between the horizontal and the vertical. He, he, he ex- before it seemed to exist as some liquid conglomeration, but he wasn't quite ready for you and me. He created an air bubble, a difference between wet and dry. Aren't you glad? I don't mind getting wet. I don't want to stay wet all the time. He created the dry. And the waters were divided from what was above and what was below, making places habitable for those creations he would make that needed breath to live and those that needed water to live. God was at work. God said. He draws the line between the two. He divides water from sky. He's working, bringing about his creation. I want you to catch the orderliness of this as well as we look at a passage that you're probably very familiar with. His quirk. His creation. And then in verse 9, we read again, And God, go ahead and circle it, said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. 
He divides water from land. He separates land from sea. And in this act, he creates these places that we need to dwell. And those that need water have a place to live. And he has dry land for those who need dry land. And he there's a habitable place of air to breathe in the previous verses. But here we get the solid ground. He gathers the waters together. He calls them seas. He names the earth. He names the sea. And it was good. Verse 11. You with me? And God said, God's here again. He said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And it was so. So with air created, land separated from sea, it was now time for God to begin to fill the earth that he has created. And he starts with vegetation. That way we could mow the yard on Saturday. But also we have trees that create oxygen to breathe and flowers to appreciate the beauty. He creates the vegetation. Vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruits, trees bearing fruit. These things were necessary to sustain what he's going to do next. He says we've got to have this in place. Again, God's working how? Orderly, structured, planned. It's not some random development. The God of the universe says, this is what will happen, and then this will happen, and this will happen. And he does it so the world begins to become a lush and vibrant place where he can place the pinnacle of his creation. Look at verse 14. You want to say it with me? You can. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse and of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. At this point, things are rolling along pretty well, wouldn't you say? But there's things missing. It's still just an empty void of land and sea. And now he says we're going to put things out and we're going to create lights in the heavens and we're going to create stars and we're going to can, can, can you just stop and imagine the awesomeness of those moments as God worked doing these things creating the heavens creating stars creating planets creating galaxies our God is a prolific creator wouldn't you say And into this moment, he creates two lights, a greater light and a lesser light. You and I would call that the sun and the moon from our perspective. These lights are important. Why? They govern the seasons. They govern the the times of our lives, the cycle of life, of going around the sun one time and celebrating our first birthday, of going around again and celebrating our second, and so on. He not only created the vastness of space, he created the needs of a livable planet. Amazing works. Look at verse 20. And God said, 
Here's God working again. Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created these great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Period. I left a verse there. I apologize. God turns what we know now as the animal kingdom. He calls the waters to swarm. I don't know if you've ever stood at the at a river that's full of fish trying to swim through it, and you look down there and say, "Man, wow!" I remember being in Yellowstone years ago and standing at the Yellowstone River and looking down and seeing all of those fish working their way upstream, the swarm that they were. God made that. To look up at the, the sky and see birds flocking together. You know what you love it in the fall when they're headed south and you see them in the spring and they're headed north and they're going all over. I got the backwards of I did. I apologize, but they're going all over the place. That's a swarm. Birds. Working in a massive way. Look at verse 9. And God, verse 24, look at verse 24. God said... Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Now God turns to the creatures to live on the dry land. Livestock. Praise God for cattle. If you like steak. Praise God for his work in this world. For the creeping things. Ooh. Some of those we could do without, right? But they have a place in our creation. The beasts of the earth, his work would be large, it would be grand, it would be small, it would be intimate, it would be big, it would be little. He would do all of these things according to their kind. He creates them after their own order, beasts after their kind, livestock after their kind, and then things that creep according to the earth, across the earth according to their kind. And God saw what? That what he had brought to life was good. Then turn to verse 26. Some of you were wondering how we'd get through all these this morning. Then, who? God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We could camp there the rest of the morning. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given every you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. 
So at this point, things are really cooking, wouldn't you agree? The world is beginning to be filled up with all kinds of creations of God. And don't miss the point that everything was created. But he comes to the day when he creates you and me. Not literally you and me, but you and me in the sense of humanity. He creates us. What was missing to that point was humanity. Notice there's a distinction here between everything he's created to this point and the humanity he creates now. He creates man in his image. Does that mean God has ten fingers and ten toes? Does he walk like us? Does he talk like us? I don't know. But we're created in his image. It doesn't mean he created us to be gods. Don't miss that. It does mean that in our original form, humans carried the imprint of God. And I suspect that we still carry the echo of his imprint today in our lives. He created male. He created female, each with their own unique physiology and their own unique abilities and their own unique roles and places within the world. There's things that women can do that men can't do. Praise God. There's things that men can do that maybe women can't actually do. Praise God. God created us, male and female, on purpose. We would have dominion over the fish, the birds, the creeping things of the earth. Everything under that has breath would be under our human dominion. And out of this would come a responsibility that we have to care for what we've been given take care of this world that we have. God was surely moving in a mighty way, creating. Now some of you are thinking, we're almost done. Pick more long verses for next Sunday, Patrick. But I want to take a moment to talk with you about so what? That's a question I've learned to ask when I study God's Word. Not in a flippant way or a rebellious way. But we just read 31 verses of God's work and His amazing creativity. So what? So what does that mean? What does that speak to us? What, what can that do in our lives? Why, why do we look at those kind of passages and are reminded of God's work? Some of you think, oh, that's just a fable. It's not real. I tend to believe it's actually literally and completely true. What did it look like? I don't know. I know the, the big picture. When did it happen? I'm not entirely certain. I can guess, but I promise you I wasn't there. As old as I may look to some of you younger ones in here, I wasn't there, okay? I don't know. None of us do. But what we do know is this, God created. So out of that comes three thoughts I want you to see. The first one is this, we need to learn to see ourselves as divinely set apart. Did you notice in the creation story, he created all of these things until he gets to humanity and he creates us how? In his image. He didn't create cows in his image. As tasty as Cow can be, okay? He didn't create chickens. Sorry, Emily. He didn't create chickens that way in his image. But he created what? You and me in his image. And we need to grasp that. We need to let that sink into our hearts, into our minds, and our thoughts. See, behind the creation story is the God who designs you and plans you and made you as amazing. 
That doesn't mean you're divine. It means you've been divinely by God set apart. You are a unique creation. There has never been another one of you. And there never will be. Wow. That's amazing. There was an intelligent design behind God's creation, His actions, and bringing you together, bringing us together. I mean this, I think God means this for our lives, is that there are certain things that He has created you and you alone to do in life. I think about my life, the things that I'm, that, that, that if I hadn't existed, would not exist. I think of three kids that would be not here. You think, wow, that, that's all you did in your life? Well, I don't have time to give you my whole life, but that's part of it, right? That, that unique creation that we get to participate in and accomplish because we're here. And you say, well, I haven't had that privilege yet. We pray God will give it to you. Some say, well, I don't ever get to. That's okay. But God has got things for you to do in life that are what you are supposed to be doing. He has a design for you. And, and, but somehow we look <clears throat> at ourselves this way. We go, oh, I'm nothing. I'm useless. I'm pitiful. I'm worthless. I'm nobody. I'm here to tell you that the God of creation created you. And has divinely set you apart as his creation. You carry within you the image of God. Man, a lot of us struggle with self-image, don't we? We look in the mirror and go, man, God messed up. I want you to go home today and look in the mirror and say, God did not mess up. He made me just like me on purpose. How do I know that? Ephesians 2.10 tells us this. For we are his, crea- his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, when we begin to look at ourselves as the amazing creation that God created us to be, as unique, amazing creations of him, we begin to discover a greater meaning and purpose. One of the things that's going on in our culture today is this. We, we're buying the lie that we're an accident of evolution. And when we do that, we reject the unique creation of God in our lives. And we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We see ourselves... We see ourselves as less than, as inferior, as just an animal. But I'm not, are you? I'm God's creation, uniquely designed and divinely set apart for his work. If we start to look at ourselves as God sees us, instead of how we see us, our lives will change. Are you a creation of God? Second, grasp the intentionality of God. One of the things that strikes me about Genesis 1 is, is not the haphazardness, but the intentionality of God. He, he structured it. He worked through the details. He worked through the process. Uh, and he didn't just throw it out there. Uh, it, there's a logical structure to it. It's not an accident. In fact, if you really dig into it, it's very intricate and very orderly. And that applies to the creation in general, but also to the crown jewel of creation. You and me. Have you ever thought of yourself as a crown jewel? 
You are. You're the prime reason God created the world. Can you imagine a world where the balance between the impact of the sun and the moon was not here? Can you imagine a world without vegetation to have a nice green salad? Can you imagine a world without smoked, grilled salmon? Some of you go, yeah, I could live without that. Can you imagine a life without Texas barbecue? Yeah. God intentionally created all of this for us. And God extends that creation thoughts in chapter 2 but in, with the practical. But here he establishes what is seemingly insignificant to bring together human life. And the amazing process of reproduction is something we really don't understand fully, but it happens because of creation. He intentionally did that. Listen to what the psalmist said. God, for you formed me, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it all well. We are intentionally created. One last thought. And one I don't think we can actually really grasp. But I want you to see it anyway. Is the creation was made... Perfect. We really can't grasp what that means. I mean, we can contemplate it. We can think about it. We can kind of imagine it. But the creation was made perfect. If we could somehow be transported back to the moments after the completion of creation, what we would see is that what what would be what God saw, which was a work that was good and perfect, no errors, no flaws, no imperfections, no sin, no mess. Timothy tells us this, for everything created by God is what? It's good. And nothing to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. Now, Paul was uh, talking to Timothy about some practical matters in life, but the principle applies to the creation and the world we forfeited by the introduction of sin. See, before the fall of, our, our, of humanity, God created a perfect world. We're not going to deal with the Adam and Eve story in this series, but you know the story. You know what happened. But do you know that that not only brought sin into the human experience, but it damaged the creation that was perfect as well? God had created a perfect world, but we messed it up. And you'd say, well, I wasn't there, Patrick. I wasn't Adam and I wasn't Eve. But I can say with a pretty certain belief that if you and I had been there, we would have done the same thing. And because of that, we deal with the effects. We live with sin. We are born in sin. We die in sin unless there's divine intervention. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this morning that God not only created everything, but he also made the way for us to have new life. The life that we celebrated in the Lord's table this morning. And we're called to make a poise, a, po- a, po- a choice, excuse me. Do we follow him or do we not? Do we listen to his voice or not? I'm not sure why God gives us that choice, but he does. 
So what we're going to do is just take a moment and let's sing a song together in a, in a second. And if you need to respond to, to the Lord this morning, maybe you need to make a decision public. Maybe you need to become part of a fellowship officially here at First Baptist. We'd love for you to do that. But let's go to the Lord together before we do that. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house, to spend just a few minutes singing, worshiping, observing the Lord's table, and Father, hearing your word, and God being reminded (laughs) that everything we see, you created. And Father, the messes that we see are things that we have created ourselves as humans by rejecting your perfection of Genesis 1. We pray your hand right now on those who need to make some type of decision public. Father, we pray your hand on them. Give them the confidence and the faith to take that step. We pray your blessing in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.